Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Kind of a newsy day, actually. We got some stuff to talk about. Bucks add a special teams coordinator. And uh, there was an injury, and this is disappointing, Steve, because, you know, Mikhail Sergachev had missed some time. This is the start sort of, a, of the unofficial second half after the All-Star break. And then he suffered what looked to be a very gruesome leg injury. I'm not exactly sure what they're saying, if anything, after the game. I didn't hear John Cooper. But, man, it looks like this, this could be the end of his season. Well, he was asked at in the post game, um, are you preparing for – the rest of the season without Mikhail Sergachev. And Cooper's comment was just, let's not think that way. But the reaction on the ice and the stretcher coming out and the whole team out there and the postgame comments from Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman and John Cooper leads you to believe that they think he's done for the year. Like, it wasn't we, good. We don't know yet. We may not know. If they won't have a morning skate today because they're playing a back-to-back in New York. So won't have any media veil till the game t- tonight. Uh, but they probably won't even have an update at that point. So it may be a little bit, but, you know, Mikhail Sergachev just activated off long-term injury reserve Wednesday, had missed 17 straight games, hadn't played since December 19th when he got hurt. Activated, and then the second period goes down and looks to be pretty sure. I mean, injuries happen all the time. Players get hit. Players go off the When you see the, the teammates react the way they did, that's, you, that's when you know. I mean, they they know, they know that they know when you're hurt. They know when you're injured. And they know know when you're really injured, and that was one of those. And you know, we'll find out more. It's not to say for sure he's done, but at this point, you've got to almost be thinking you're without him the rest of the way now. I couldn't tell. Um, it looked like you know there was contact. Anything nefarious about the contact in, like? Sort of he got his leg bent underneath him. He lost his edge or something in the skate. You know, went, his leg went in an awkward position. I'm assuming that I don't think it's the knee. I, it almost looked like a fracture of some kind because they immobilized his leg on that stretcher. It could have usually- been that. It also, the skate blade from Lafayette got near his Achilles. Mm, mm. Now, you didn't see blood or anything out there, so maybe that not. But, I mean, it could have been a number of them. I mean, it looks like he lost his edge, and then his leg got caught underneath him. Yeah. And, you know, it's 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 really hard to tell what happened. But, you know. But like he I wasn't going to bear any weight on it, that's no. for sure. And, you know, he's got his, his you know, head in his jersey. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like I said, you always look at the reaction of the players. Right. They know. Like, they they can tell instantly which ones are 
the bad injuries, which ones are the really bad injuries. Right. And this one looked to be a really bad one. So to be clear, you didn't see anything wrong with the contact that had happened before the play? No, I mean, nothing dirty or anything like that. Not mm-hmm. at all. Um, I mean, they're going for the puck there. I think he lost an edge. So, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. I didn't see anything dirty there. I thought that, you know, it's the first game back after the All-Star break, and mm-hmm. the Rangers played Jonathan Quick, which we could talk about. It's interesting. He's got or entered the game with a 7-0-1 record against the Lightning. But Shesterkin was the All-Star. Anyway, um, I didn't think that they – they didn't seem to have a little bit of juice. They seemed to be – uh, just a little bit, and that maybe that's expected of both teams. You haven't played in ten days. Well, the Rangers played Monday. They did play. Yeah, okay, so, so this they was had their, their legs under game. them a little bit. Yeah, I, I thought the Lightning played a good first period. Uh, I, I, you know, coming off eleven days between games and that, I thought they played a good first period. I thought they hit a wall in the second, uh, and then when Sergachev went down, I think that changes everything too. Um, you know, that's that's hard as a player. That's hard. Um, you know, maybe they regrouped yeah. and in the third they played better. I thought they found some legs in the third. They got it to two to one. Mm-hmm. Uh great shot by Hagel. Great pass by Chernak. Mm-hmm. Nikita Kucherov got the secondary assist, so he retakes the points lead for the season at eighty six over nice. Nathan McKinnon. Um and but they didn't get a power play till what, four minutes left in the game? Yeah, it was late. You know, they have the best power play in the NHL. Didn't look that great on that that one, although Victor Hedman did hit the post. Yeah, there was that. He he shocked Jonathan Quick with a quick shot and blistered it by him, but it went off the post and out. So right. So and then the, they give up an empty netter. So it ends up being a three-one final. But yeah, it was really two to one. I guess they played better than I thought. I don't know. Um, like I said, there's there's bound to be a little bit of rust for yeah. both teams. But well, let's not forget the Rangers are a first place team. Yeah, they're really good. I mean, they're the they're what, the second or third best team record-wise in the East. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they came out playing, you know, Ottawa or somebody. Right. They played a Rangers team that already had a game under their belt after the All-Star break, and, and it was a really good team, a really good all, defensive team, too. With all due respect to those yeah, in Ottawa. <laughs> Ottawa's played better of late, but they've, they've <laughs> dug themselves a hole. Well, like they're playing the crappiest team in the NHL. I didn't, go, I didn't, I didn't say San Jose, because <laughs> that's True. the worst team. Yeah. Um, well, it's unfortunate because he's a big piece of what they do. He's still, you know, what always gets me with Sergeyev. He's still so stinking young. Is I he believe like 26 I, now. He's or? like 25. He's younger. 25. I believe than Nick Perbix and Darren Radish. It's incredible. Like uh, this guy, you know, every year you figure like, well, he's in his mid 20. No, not yet. Um, he's always younger than you think he is, but disappointing because he had missed, you know, that 11 game stretch or whatever. And then. To come back and you know barely be yeah. on the ice and then Buemo. Sergachev's just... twenty five. Okay. Perbix is twenty five as well, but I think he's ten days older than Sergachev. There you go. And Darren Radish is twenty seven. Like oh. and these these are guys that have just been up recently. Over the hill. You know. Yeah. But yeah, Sergachev, uh, you know, twenty five years old. The amount of games he's played and, and what he's done so far, it's incredible. A lot. I mean, because yeah. remember he was drafted young, and then he was a what the ninth or tenth overall pick, then traded here in the Jonathan Duran trade from Montreal, and mm. you know pretty much was here. You know, didn't spend a lot of time in the minors. It was pretty much you know in the NHL. Yeah, that's well, gone well up until you know 
whatever the late, the lower body injury is that we won't find out about. That's the thing too. It's like, yeah, he's indefinite or yeah, he's out for the year. What do you have? Uh, we, we'd rather not say <laughs> kills me about that with like, and I get it sort of, I mean like they don't want a little bullseye pasted on every injury, but it's just kind of funny to me a little bit. Well, it's and the other thing is, and you don't like to think this way yet, but if Sergachev is out for the rest of the season, then now you have eight nine million dollars of cap space. See, I didn't know how that works. So because he's going to go on IR or IL or whatever they call yep. it in the NHL, you you get to recoup cap space for that. Well, because if you're not going to use his salary at all for the remaining of the season, you get his salary. That's what they did with Kucherov a few years ago. Okay. They had his salary of whatever, eight, nine million, whatever it was at the time. Mm-hmm. He didn't play the whole season. So you got that eight, nine million that you could spend over the cap mm-hmm. for, for injury LTIR money, is what it's called. Okay. That's how they do it. Brent Seabrook has been on this roster for a couple of years now. They got him in the, what, the, the Tyler Johnson trade. He's making $6.875 million and has for several years from the Lightning. You've never mm-hmm. seen him on the ice because he's basically retired right. with injury, but he's still under contract, so he wants to get paid. So his contract was traded here. So the Lightning have been in LTIR money for years. That's what they did with Kucherov that year. So if Sergachev can't go the rest of the way, if he's not going to come back this year in the regular season. They they get $8 million. Well, $8.5 million of cap space, essentially. Sweet. Sweet. So, you know, when they always talk about, well, we can't make deals – there is a chance if he, you know, this is all hypothetical because if he can come back in April, then you don't get that. You don't have that money available. Right. But it does, and the trade deadline is a month from today in the NHL. Huh. March 8th. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, sound, it sounds like the right thing to do. I don't know. Well, what Julian you know, Breezeball. Now, the other part is you've got the cap space, but do you have the pieces to pull the trade off, too? Right. You know, do you have enough prospects or picks? And they don't have many picks, but so it'll be, it'll be interesting if Sergachev is out for the rest of the season. Will they make moves? I mean, you're, more than likely, Julian Breezeball is a guy who's going to go for it. You know, if you remember a couple years ago, the second cup when they traded for David Savard, and they traded some picks. They trade. They got uh, what they get Detroit to take half his salary, mm-hmm. and then Columbus kept a quarter of his salary. So the Lightning basically played a quarter of the salary or something like that. You know, but basically worked a three-team trade so that the Lightning could afford him because he took so little cap space for them because you put it on a third party. And Julia Breezebois was asked about that trade. And he said, look, I thought we had a chance to win it all. And we had, we had, a, we could, we had a chance to get a piece in David Savard that I thought could help us. He goes, if we wouldn't have won and I didn't make that move, I would have never reg- – I would have never – let myself forget that. Like, oh, well. if I have a chance to make a move to make this team better, and I, I don't do, do it, it. I, I, I would, I'd rather make the move and, 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 and not work yeah. Yeah. than not make the move and regret it later. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing there, but. Yeah, no, that makes sense. If Julian has a move he can make that's going to, that he thinks gives it, this team a shot to win the Stanley Cup and make them better, yeah, he will do it. And that's, you know, you've seen him trade pick after pick after pick. Well, you know, I mean, they still, guy, they still it, don't have a first-round pick for the next two drafts, and they haven't had uh, one for a couple drafts. They don't have a second-round pick next year either. He doesn't care about those. <laughs> you know, I mean, but 
it's it's gotten guys like Barkley Goodrow back and Blake Coleman back and Brandon Hagel yeah. back and you know you're getting guys who have helped you win Hagel hasn't won a cup yet but guys that help, helped you win cups yeah. and so is it worth giving up first round picks to win a cup no question yeah no every day because those first round picks are not guaranteed to do anything uh uh-uh. no they're not especially in hockey so prospects are not guaranteed to do anything either they may be the greatest prospect in the minors not guaranteed to do anything Right, and they could use uh, it, it's it's such a tough loss because he's such a big part of what they do, and there's the emotional part of it. But they they definitely could uh, could use some help. We'll see what they do. Um, the Bucks, meanwhile, they're hiring a special teams coordinator. Finally, um, only took a few days. They probably interviewed eight, eight or nine guys, but it is uh, Thomas McGay who spent the last six years with the New York Giants as their special teams coordinator. I got to tell you, I was looking at some of the, you know, results and stuff. Eh, I don't know. Their special teams, I think, uh, of course, they had trouble with the kicker in New York. Graham Gano missed 35% of his field goals, and they placed replaced him with Randy Bullock. And he got injured, and then before they even got Cade York on the field, he was injured, and then they ended up with Mason Crosby, so he can't kick the ball himself. I was going to say, when you're tw- down to your fourth kicker, is that really the special yeah, you're pretty, teams you're coordinator bad. fault? <laughs> but but overall, though, in, in terms of coverage, everything, you, yeah. you throw the whole pie out there. Two years ago, they were 28th in the NFL. I can't imagine, I don't have it in front of me, that what they could not have been much higher last year. This guy's got a lot of experience. I mean, he's, he's bounced around quite a bit. Um, he's a former defensive back that played for the Bengals and the Eagles. Um, but, man, he has been, you know, pretty much a tour of the NFL during his coaching career. So I guess he knows what the, the good news is. He knows what it looks like. Um, the bad news is they seem to keep getting rid of him every few years. So I'm not sure what that means, but Hey, uh, you know, it's a, it's a new, a new environment over there. New coaches. They still need a receivers coach. They potentially could need a quarterback coach. So they got to check a lot of boxes here, but, um, yeah, all I know is this guy's going to get, you know, one hell of an opportunity to come in here and, you know, try to shake it up. They, I think the biggest need that this team has, coverage is okay, but their return game is terrible. And, you know, there's specialists that aren't having the best of years either. I mean, even Jake Camarda, who averaged 50.1 last season, you know, very few inside the 20. I mean, almost never. Well, very few inside uh, the 20, and he often outkicks his coverage. He does. Very that's, often. That's the biggest complaint I have of Camarda is that yeah. sometimes he gets too much of it. And, you know, it's great that you kicked it 65 yards. If they return to 30, what's it yeah, matter? Not not so good if they have a full head of steam for 20 until they encounter one of the guys covering the kick, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he did do that because his, his average was 50.1. His net was well below that in the 40s. So there's that sort of, you know. Thing there, as far as the special teams coach goes, they had one in-house candidate, and I'm not sure what he's going to do if he's going to stay as the assistant special teams coach or not. I think he's a good coach. Is Keith Tandy um, played safety for the Bucks, kind of a make it guy, um, always been a loyal soldier. So he might very well remain in that post. You know, we just don't know, or maybe um, there'll be some additions um, with that. So Bucks shaking it up on their coaching staff. I mean, they still have a receivers coach open. Um, presumably, you know, they'll, they could have, uh, quarterbacks. We're still waiting to see if Thad Lewis is going to be their guy. He's, t- he supposedly was on the list of some teams, uh, to visit. He's also a candidate 
for the offensive coordinator's job. So I'm not exactly sure how this is all going to shake out, but offensive line coaches, I'm telling you, are important, as is your special teams. I don't think people realize that the special teams coach is the one guy that talks to every player because he has offensive players, he has defensive players, and he has a couple specialists too. But they're the ones that stand up in the room many times on Saturday night and address the team um, because they, they have them under their control. And um, I I think the Bucks have been just okay. You know, where they lack is their return game is really, really bad. It just hasn't been good for a while. It's hard to return kicks in the NFL anymore, especially kickoffs. They usually go in the end zone. Um, but they could block it up better. And look, it's a whole new coaching staff. I mean, you know, they, they had nine changes a year ago, and I think they're headed for not quite as many, but a good many this season. And in a league where continuity is king, that's a lot to give up. But um, that's where we're at. You know, they're they're out there trying to find coaches, and, and uh, they should have their staff squared away before they get to Indianapolis here at the end of this month anyway. So that's sort of some of those talks can go as long as that, but for the most part, I'm sure they want their staff kind of wrapped up here. Hey, we've even got a, a few mailback questions we can get to here in just a second before we wrap it up. But, um, you know, for the past 14 years, the skilled pros of May Electric Solar, they've been installing solar energy systems all over the state of Florida, and they provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods and service while helping homeowners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors, and they have always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Now May Electric Solar offers a 30-year no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. That means for 30 years, May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insure, means that your roof, electrical, and equipment replacement is all totally covered. Solar Insurer even survives May Electric Solar and is owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees. This policy will transfer to a new homeowner as well. It's not a blanket coverage insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of this program. May Electric Solar, uh, their reputation and history of workmanship has really earned them this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. Hey, we got a couple of mailbag questions left over from the other day, so uh, let's hit those for a little bit. All right, Matt asks, is Russell Gage going to be on the team next year? You know, it's it's a great question. I'm, I'm not sure that he has any um, identifiable monies left over in terms of you know, under contract, not under contract. I, I haven't looked at his salary situation, but I do recall that he took a reduction in some salary to remain with the team a year ago. Then he sustained that injury. I like Russ because he's a, he's a veteran receiver, especially in the red zone that shows up. I think they missed him. It was unfortunate he got hurt at the Jets, uh, you know, training facility when they went up there at the very start of the year. And just, you know, wasn't able to do anything. But um, my guess is that he's probably not going to be back. I'd have to look at the salary cap situation. A lot of these guys push money and different things. Um, but I just haven't seen him. So I don't know what kind of shape he's in or any, you know, what his plans are. I They def- they could really use him. They need another 
veteran presence. And then you, you say to yourself, well, what if Mike Evans isn't back at all? You know, who are your veterans? You got really Chris Godwin. I mean, David Moore's been in the league for a while. Um, but there's a void there. So they'd have to go somewhere, I think. All right. A biased fan emailed you. Says Jason Light may be the best drafter in the league, but the twenty twenty or twenty sixteen NFL draft was one of the worst imaginable. What do you think Light learned from draft busts like Vernon Hargraves, Noah Spence, and Roberto Aguayo? Um not to take a place kicker very high. <laughs> Let's start there. Well, he took Matt Gay a few drafts he did, later. Yeah, he, okay, so he didn't learn his lesson. Um <clears throat> no, you know, I've talked to him about this before. And I think First of all, no one's going to bat a thousand. You don't want to bat zero either. Um, but there was a there was a definite shift in terms of sort of philosophically where they were going and where they where they needed to pivot and go. And you know, getting some guys like a John Spytek, Mike Beal, um, Mike Greenberg, that on the same page has been has been huge. You know, and I think that. They started looking harder at guys and who they were rather than what they played or how well they played. Like it was bigger than just, you know, hey, this guy went to Florida. He seems like a pretty good corner. Let's draft him. Um, and I'm not suggesting it was ever that simple, but I, I really do think that they're looking for a certain type of player um, who, you know, you don't want to say we play for free, but just loves football to the point where, you know, he's going to excel. Whatever it is he does in life, he's going to excel. And so they, they've kind of put up a filter, I think, that's served them well in some of these picks. And, you know, they have the same sort of requirements. You know, we want, we want guys that can run. We want, you know, aggressive football players and this and that. But you also want good teammates. You want guys that are just, you know, selfless, interested in winning. That's hard to find these days, man. You know, um, but that trap, that trap was epically bad. And, it, and sometimes it's beyond your control. You know, guys just don't perform well or get hurt or, you know, anything inside line them. Vernon Hargraves, I thought was overdrafted for sure, but I also don't think it helped him coming back here because this, this was sort of home for him. Um, I think a lot of times that's a difficult thing to do. Is is you know play for a team that you grew up rooting, et cetera. I'm not making excuses for him, um, but he never really got it, you know. And they kind of try try to play him in the slot for a while, try to play him outside, try to train him both inside and outside. It was just just wasn't going to be. Um, Noah Spence, he was a dude that uh, was going to go to Ohio State and got a little bit of trouble, and he ended up, I think, if memory serves, at Western Kentucky, perhaps. Anyway, he had a lot of sacks and uh, was kind of undersized at this level and just, you know, never really flashed the way he's supposed to. It, it was it was a tough draft. They didn't have anything left over it. But I think if you just look from that point on how much better they have been in, in building a roster and, and, and all of that stuff. So I, I credit John Spytek, Mike Beal, Jason listening to those guys has helped, Mike Greenberg. Um, they're just kind of on a good run right now, and you just want to kind of keep it going if you can. But I, I do think that they have selfless guys back there that will work hard and, and, and give the, the franchise its best answers. Frank asked, why is no one talking about Baker Mayfield going to Denver? Seems Sean Payton had some success with another short-of-stature quarterback. 
I don't know why anybody, no one's talking about it because I, I think Baker and Sean have, you know, very similar personalities. <laughs> to be honest with you, I mean, they're both ballers. They're both intense as hell. Might be a little too much uh, for Baker at this point, but um, look, Denver needs a quarterback, and, and I think for that matter, any team, and there are a bunch of them out there that are needing of a quarterback and may not draft one. Uh, you got to at least maybe pick up the phone and make the call. You know, um, there there could be a door number two out there for him, but I I think Denver makes sense. I mean, from a stature standpoint, he's not much much bigger than Russell. Throws better off the platform. Um, he's a winner, and I guess it would just you know come down to to whether Baker is going for the money, the fit. Or a combination of the two. I, I know he really wants to stay here. Uh, doesn't mean it's exclusive that he's, you know, some kind of package deal with the offensive coordinator. But the more they can do, you know, to entice him, the better. Just to eliminate that possibility. And at the end of the day, I still think, personally, that somebody has to be willing to, to plunk a franchise tag on him, which is a lot of money. It's $36 million. But you know what? If you got things going here in Tampa, um, you might want you might want to stay with it, you know. And and Denver, it feels to me like, and I don't know where they pick exactly, but Sean's Sean's not in it for the long term. I, I don't know how many year of a deal he signed. Sean is not developed quarterbacks. You know, he took a Drew Brees that was sort of coming off shoulder surgery, and it was either him or Dante Culpepper and. You know, he chose Breeze and Miami chose Culpepper, and we see how it worked out. But he was a special talent. Um, I thought it would work with Russ. I don't know why it didn't, to be honest with you. I'm not that, – that whole thing doesn't make sense to me. But I would imagine that they're going to be in it for one of, the, one of these draft picks because it's a very rich quarterback-heavy draft that you can get all the way through the second round. Uh, but what do I know? I mean, I really, I, I can't read that situation very well. Um, I I think team, any team, in my opinion, any team that wants to win and wants to win now should be very receptive to Baker Mayfield. I think he's done that much help to himself. Um, he's been on, you know, the talk shows and the whole thing and won awards. But I, to me, he can play in any system. Uh, he can integrate himself with his teammates pretty quickly. Like, I, I just don't, I'm not sure what more you want. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. We'll switch gears. And Craig in Vegas had tweeted us. Says this offseason, Major League Baseball free agency has been great if you're an elite player. But most players are still not signed with the fall of Bally Sports. Does this finally get a cap in place, also a floor? For example, the A's won't spend any money with a pending move. Seems like players have a bad deal now. I mean, I don't know, Steve, how you feel. I think it's a strong union. Um, you're I, not going to break it. I think that the union has been awful for players 
and that Tony Clark and those who run the union should have been fired years ago. I think they only get the really, really hot ticket guys paid. I don't think they do a very good job for the rank and file. Bingo. Uh, the union's job should not be to get a guy a $500 million contract Agreed. or a $700 million contract. I agree contract. with that. That's yeah. wonderful and great, and I'm not saying they shouldn't exist. I'm saying yeah. that the players need to take a bigger percentage of the revenue in baseball like they yep. do in every other sport. Because they're the lowest, right, of the major sports? Last I saw, and, and I don't, you know, you don't necessarily know all their revenues because it's not split the same way as the other sports. But they, NHL, it's like 48 or 49%. NFL is 50 or maybe even a, a little bit more than 50 go to the players. NBA is around that number. Baseball was at 38%. Wow. That's a lot difference there. Yeah. You know, if you're leaving 12% of the revenue of the sport on the table <laughs> because, you, not good, because you won't put a cap and a floor in it, I'm not, look, I, I don't, I think it's bad for fans to not have a cap, and it's just showing what the Dodgers are doing this year. And that's great that Shohei Otani is going to get seven hundred million, even if you know six hundred fifty of it's paid fifteen years from now. I don't have a problem with players making the money, but when every other when when the the, the whole of the players is getting a lot less than every other sport, you're doing it wrong as a union. The union's job is not to protect one guy's big contract. The goal of the union should be to get the most money for the players. You figure out how you divvy it up after that. Who cares? But you're leaving 12% of revenues on the table? Yeah, that's a lot. That's that's criminal. Yeah. You shouldn't be there when the rest of the leagues are, are where they're at. It nearly, you know, it says you're a partner, and, and you should be, and, and then they're not, clearly. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, Bryce Harper and Shohei Otani and, you know, Mike Trout get huge contracts, and congratulations, and, you know, Look, they're phenomenal. They're phenomenal players. They deserve to be the highest paid in the sport. I'm, you know, not arguing that. But when they and they finally started to fix some of the minor league problems, I mean, that was that was really criminal the way they treated minor leaguers, baseball, the amount of money and everything else they gave. Now they finally have started to fix that and become better. But when when the the rank and file players should be making a lot more than they are, because you want to protect three guys or ten guys as contracts. To me, that's what's the point of the union at that point, right? Like you're not you're not doing the job of the union. You're just protecting a few guys that want to get paid more than everybody else. And and I understand why Shohei Otani may want that deal or Bryce Harper, or, you know, et cetera. But if I, if I'm the union, my job is to get the most money for the group of players. And they don't do that. Yeah, I think baseball has a definite problem um, in terms of revenue sharing or the lack thereof. And that, that affects competitive balance. And the Rays have bumped against this every year, and they managed to come out on top mm-hmm. with just superior cap management and scouting and, and the players they get. It's it's so unlikely for them to do what they've done. Um, I mean, at some point, there's a lot of things I would fix about the NFL, but that's that's probably one. The other one would be full-time officials. I still can't understand why a business that makes as much money as they do, you know, are using and nothing against this, but insurance and car salesmen and, and you know, computer programmers on the weekends as their officials. It just it's just weird to me, man. It is, like, although and I'll play devil's advocate for a bit, and I, and I haven't talked to him, so I don't know if yeah, this yeah. is the case, but. Okay, so NFL officials, they make pretty good money. I think they make something like 
150 a year around there, if I recall, mm-hmm. um, from the NFL. But some of them are lawyers and everything else. They may be making more than that in their outside jobs. Oh, no doubt. I mean, and I'm not saying and, that that's, it's purely financial. So do they want to be full-time employees of the NFL where they can't go then do the other stuff? I don't well, know. Well, maybe, maybe they don't, but there'll be no shortage of applicants. Let's put it that way. Well, but, but assuming that you have the best of the best already working for you. You assume that. But then you don't. You haven't canvassed. You know how many people could be as good or better that just say, "Eh, I'm not going to be." And that's I'll put myself in that situation in, in five or ten years. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that answer. I know that you know some sports struggle to get. You know, I I know that hockey's always looking for more referees and and linemen and right. And they have that's hard to you got to skate. They man. do a lot. Of, they do a lot of recruiting of you know former players, particularly former minor league players that never really made the NHL. Maybe had a cup of coffee, but that was it. You know, so they they don't they haven't made a ton of money in their career, but they know hockey. This I mean, they're always recruiting them. They have camps. They have they they do all kinds of stuff with that in hockey where they're trying to find more people. I, I know. I mean, I, I know the NFL puts up a job, and there's going to be a million applicants, but are they any good? True. I mean, you know, to be honest, becoming a referee in sports anymore is it's, talk about a thankless job. Yeah, because everything is so scrutinized with HD and 4K and 8K and where every blade <laughs> of grass that well, the blade of grass touched the ball before he secured it, so it's not a catch. I mean, you know, how are you supposed to see that in real time when the players are bigger, faster, know, stronger than ever? I mean, the fact that they get most of the calls right is pretty impressive. It really, it really is. is. I mean, yeah. that's not to say they don't blow a few here and there, right? But they they're right a lot more often than they're wrong. Yeah, and it's surprisingly so, but they are. You know, I mean, there's some subjective ones of was that really a hold or was it really pass interference? Those are tougher ones, but but I mean, they're they're pretty good, and and you know the fact that they're not full time. Sounds like it's bad, but maybe they don't want it. I, I don't know. Like I said, I haven't talked to anyone to know that. You know, it's the one. It's the one sport you don't have to be full time because you don't have games three times, four times a week, six times a week in baseball. Yeah, the really interesting thing is I think a lot of them have a lot of money. <laughs> Just as my personal opinion, I don't have a a, a, a poll on that, but well, I think to put up with some of the crap they put up with, you might need to have a lot of money. They deserve it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Especially on the sidelines, man. Those coaches just wear those guys oh. out. I know Bruce had a really good reputation with the officials. Uh, they had to hold him back a few times, but I know I've I've talked to some coaches over the years that have mm-hmm. some funny stories. With <clears throat> I remember uh, one of the the assistant coaches on the Braves when I did this twenty years ago, and was talking to him, and he was a minor league manager in his you know younger days. He was an older gentleman at that point. And uh, he was also an alcoholic. And so always drinking. He goes, so Sunday games I get thrown out of. Those are afternoon games. So he says, there's some call in the first inning, and I go out there and I'm making a stink and, you know, getting upset. And the umpire is just standing there, and I'm getting more mad and more mad. And he finally (laughs) says, I know what you're doing. (laughs) He goes, I know you were out late last night, and if I got to stand out here in this heat, you're going to stand out here too. <laughs> and he wouldn't I throw him it. out no matter what he said. He wasn't about so to good. throw him. You're going to stand here the whole time. I don't care. He yeah. goes, he was so ticked off. <laughs> Please throw me out of this game. No. All he wanted to do was go to the clubhouse and sleep. <laughs> right. Get a little AC. 
That's a great. And the umpire one. was like, "I, ain't, you know, I know what you're doing. I'm not having it, man. You're going to be out here every minute. I don't care what you say to me. You're staying. Yeah. Call me anything you want. That's hilarious. All right. Tomorrow on the uh, extravaganza, we'll get you ready for the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. It's going to be a good one, man. San Francisco forty. Niners against the Kansas City Swifties uh, should be great. I know who my kids are rooting for, the Chiefs, naturally. And the Lightning. Do they even know what other team is in the Super Bowl against? Oh, the sure Chiefs. they do. Okay, yeah, well, they I'm do. Just, only, beca- only well, because they've been there. You know, at well, that's that true. Field that's and, true. Okay. Do most of the Swifties even know the other team on the field? No. Not not if you're no not if you're just new to the game. Yeah. Well, they may have learned it by now, but I mean, okay. I'm just saying. Uh, She's brought in so many millions of people that aren't really football fans, and so I think they're just kind of falling into, yeah, who's the opponent this week? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's possible that does she perform at halftime with Usher? That's my no, absolutely not. She's way she's so much beyond Usher. It's not even funny. With all due respect to Usher, nowadays they don't only pay these guys. It's just you know, it's a chance for people to stream their music live after the show and stuff. No, they not pay. I think they have the artists pick up half the tab for it. Like they all do. The production you have to. Costs and stuff. You have to pay the production. Man, this NFL. <laughs> telling you, man, they can print money like nobody's business. Uh, as Jim Rome would say, I make a lot of money. That's why I spend a lot of money. Um, I get it. I get it. And then we got. Uh, I think I mentioned the, the Lightning continue their road trip this time against the, another New York team, the mm-hmm. Islanders. Yep, another uh, ESPN game tonight. So two straight Is games, it? not wow. on Valley. So back to back national TV, man. Yeah, well, when they're in New York, it, always they just yeah. want the New York teams on there. So I understand. Um, and you just got to start getting some points, munch some points here on the road trip. Get as many as you have games, I suppose. Well, look, yeah, four. It's a four game road trip. You want to get at least five points on it. So. You didn't get any against New York. Probably need some tonight. You'd like to win against the Islanders in the Blue Jackets tonight yep. and Saturday, and then you've got mm. the final game at Boston. You can get a right. point out of that. You get your five out of four games. If you can get two points there, you get six out of four. Right. Well, you know, this weekend, of course, all about the Super Bowl and whether Patrick Mahomes is the next GOAT. Um, can Kyle Shanahan finally exercise those demons that he's had in Super Bowls past There's a lot of great storylines. We'll get to all of them tomorrow on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.